Hello and welcome to the Future Healthcare Today podcast. Today we are talking about the recently passed No Surprises Act, a piece of legislation that seeks to benefit healthcare consumers by addressing specific billing practices currently common throughout the industry. While the No Surprises Act is a boon for healthcare consumers, it has created complexities and challenges for healthcare payers. One of the biggest challenges is ensuring that reasonable and acceptable reimbursements are established and benchmarked by procedure, by provider, and by geography. One way that healthcare payers can manage this complexity is by working with a third-party partner that can help them to determine and validate these reimbursements and deliver defensible results. But with a tight deadline and the complexities of understanding regulations, how can payers address this challenge with confidence? Adding further complexity to the matter, on September the 30th, 2021, the Department of Health and Human Services, the Department of Labor, and the Department of the Treasury, along with the Office of Personnel Management, released an interim final rule with comment period entitled Requirements Related to Surprise Billing Part 2. This interim final rule, or IFR, explains some requirements related to the independent dispute resolution process and qualified payment amounts. To clarify, the QPA and IDR rules are interim, not final. To help us better understand how this legislation will impact the healthcare industry, we are joined today by Greg Tackett, Senior Vice President of Strategy and Growth at Zealous. Greg has over 20 years in the healthcare industry, and combined with the work Zealous has done to benefit the industry, he is something of an expert on this matter. As this legislation and its impacts are not yet fully realized, companies like Zealous are closely monitoring all related legislative activity to help keep clients compliant. We would also like to clarify that this podcast was recorded prior to the ruling. Taka joins us today to share how Zealous's median in-network solutions give both TPAs and health plans the ability to calculate and support a QPA. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Very interested to get your insights and uh, yeah, just very excited for our conversation. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much. Yeah, really uh, happy to be here and um, really uh, excited to talk uh, about the No Surprises Act and all of the uh, developments that are happening in the marketplace today for your listeners. All right, well, let's just go ahead and get started then. So the No Surprises Act is here and it's already causing some headaches for payers. To really help people understand why this change was needed, can you elaborate on the need that existed to reevaluate pricing strategies throughout the marketplace? What really drove this conversation and why did it become so urgent? Well, you know, I think uh, I think a few things there. Um, first and foremost, the subject of this new law with the No Surprises Act, it puts into account a lot of questions around what is a median and contracted rate? Um, how do I calculate that? Um, do I have rates across all sorts of specialties and geographies in order to create a qualified payment amount? Do I have a history of data with providers who may appeal the qualified payment amount or the amount that they were paid? And if so, do I have the staffing ability to settle with those providers or work with them on a dispute resolution process through CMS and HHS? All of those things are requiring substantial IT work, compliance work at a, at a payer, as well as the identification of certain network rates, whether they have them or not, and what to do when they don't have network rates available as well as staffing for reviews, settlements with, with providers, and how to support an independent dispute resolution process. So all of the elements of the No Surprises Act are creating a lot more probable questions currently than, than answers 
And I think a number of entities and payers in the market, some have some answers internal, but they're seeking answers for things externally. Others need help entirely from an external partner in order to help them with all the new unknowns relative to the No Surprises Act. Gotcha. So I guess then the question becomes, what was the reason behind creating this, uh, to put it in a certain way, disruptive action within the industry? Was there a good reason why the situation had to develop? And, you know, what was that impetus behind it happening so quickly? Well, I think um, the federal government was looking at some elements of different surprise billing and no surprise No surprises legislation for some time across different constituencies. There was different versions of this bill that had been available in the marketplace, either from, I would call them more provider-friendly or more payer-friendly connotation. What became legislation actually was something that probably didn't make really either party substantially happy. And therefore, we got the No Surprises Act, which has a level of ambiguity regarding median in-network rate and this process for settlement and independent dispute resolution. And I think in terms of being timely, that is, you know, Americans and members of plans are kind of caught in the middle of this process when there are surprise claims and they did everything they could to go to an in-network provider or they had an emergent event, yet they are balanced billed in, in many cases, tens of thousands of dollars for care that they received in an emergent situation or a situation where they tried to go to an in-network provider. And unfortunately, one of the providers on the care team is actually out of network and it was not something that they could choose. And so I think this allows for members to be paid at an in-network benefit level and to be prohibited from being balanced billed while providing the provider with a fair and reasonable reimbursement. Right, and so if we could just circle back briefly to something you referenced in your response, why is it so difficult for payers to calculate a reasonable and acceptable reimbursement under the current system? Where does the No Surprise Act fit into that, and and how does that affect the process? Well, I think for a while, especially for out-of-network claims, what the provider should be paid could be determined through a number of factors. It could be based upon a negotiation that the payer may perform with the provider since there is no contracted rate with that out-of-network provider. It could be based on a state-level usual and customary calculation. It could be based on a Medicare calculation. It could be based on a in-network rate calculation. It could be any of the above. And payers would use third, third parties to assist with this process. And so if the provider's not in the network, they don't really know what they're going to be reimbursed at the end of the day. And truthfully, even when providers are in the network, it is difficult for both uh, all parties, really, the member, the provider, even the payer, to know specifically what will be paid until the claim is submitted. Because the claim is what contains here the services that were rendered specifically for this episode of care. The industry is trying its best to move towards elements of transparency, and some of these are within the Transparency and Coverage Act, which was passed in late 2020 under new rules um, under CMS, and then the No Surprises Act adds another element to doing its best with both out-of-network claims and then reiterating the abilities to try to get more transparency into the system so that members, providers, payers, all can identify rates before episodes of care, 
although it will never be perfect because unfortunately, you know, the provider themselves can't predict exactly what the aspects of care will be sometimes until they perform the care itself. Yeah, obviously there are so many moving pieces that come with the territory of healthcare. Trying to predict what will be needed when someone goes into the hospital is obviously very difficult. So looking back towards the payer side of the ecosystem, what are the consequences for payers if the reimbursements aren't defensible or if the claims can't be settled? So I think what one of the things that payers are struggling with now is just even the calculation of their own median and network rate if they have network rates available. So one is that element, and will it be defensible? It might be my median and network rate, but will providers accept it that are out of network? I think there's some hope that they, the providers will accept it either through uh, further education if they call to settle or through the IDR process. At the same time, I believe that even if you have a prescribed median and network rate that makes sense, you're still struggling with the technical capabilities that you need to identify it, price it, as well as you probably have a lot of gap filling, meaning you, there's a lot of areas where there's certain specialties or areas of the country where you may not have any median and network rate data, or you might be an entity such as a third-party administrator who may work with multiple networks, but they don't have the rates for any of those networks. So they don't know what to utilize in terms of a median and network rate. So I think there's a lot of difficulty in number one, coming up with a median and network rate for different, for different payers and for different reasons. And so our company can help with something to that effect, as well as then the identification and pricing of claims where there is no network or median and network rate available. So I think those two things are something organizations are struggling with. Then it's, they don't know if it's going to be accepted and defensible or not. I think everyone's hoping it will be. But unless you've had experience with working with out-of-network claims and claim pricing, you can't be certain that it's going to be accepted by providers in the marketplace. I think there's a lot of hope at the moment. And then the rules that will still be yet to come regarding independent dispute resolution, the final rules that are still yet to come on that, I think will provide even further guidance on the weighting of the median and network rate and how defensible it might be. Right. So, I mean, obviously, we're still waiting for those final rules, and I'm sure when they are released, it'll be kind of a mad dash to understand how they impact things. So, you know, in preparation for those final rules, though, you know, this might be hard to answer just given how recent the legislation is, but from your perspective, what options are there available for payers looking to streamline their operations in advance of the No Surprises Act really coming into force? What can they do to try and you know, build in that compliance if they're looking to make some changes now. Yes, and, and many of them are doing it. I mean, many many payers have been exploring their options in the marketplace in terms of third-party and third-party assistance. Many have been reviewing from an analytical perspective that they have their own rates, how to calculate their median and network rate by a specialty or geography. And that's also something Zealous can help them with and administer for them on their own. And additionally, something where I think they're struggling too is sometimes where they have, when they do their analysis, they identify areas where they have gaps. So a lot of people are already taking the initiatives to do the analytical work internally on their median and network rate, as well as explore what the possibilities could be in a settlement process with a provider and without a network providers in general, 
if they already have a partner that they work with on out of network or multiple partners that they might work with on out of network services, they're, pro- they're probably exploring things with those partners on how those partners can help them, um, how they can help them with both the settlements and meeting and network rate calculations or other calculations where there is no med- meeting and network rate available, and also what they can do to help them with dispute resolution support. And additionally, I mean, relative to the No Surprises Act, there's more things in it than just this element of meeting the network rate and the whole settlement and IDR. There's also elements of transparency and coverage. There's also elements of keeping up with provider directories. There's also elements uh, within the Transparency and Coverage Act of now displaying machine-readable files and aggregating these machine-readable files across your networks. So these these are all things that payers are now dealing with all at once. And I think they're really looking for help with how to tackle all of those problems all at the same time. Right. So let's kind of build off that a bit. You know, what advice would you give to a payer who's looking to evaluate the solutions that are available to help them navigate this ecosystem? I would think first and foremost, you want someone with, you know, the experience of working with out-of-network claims, um, doing claim settlements and working with providers to get them to accept settlements and negotiations, as well as to get them to accept pricing results. And so they have experience in the market. Someone who already works probably or knows how to work within you know, a claim flow, either through integration with claim platforms or through um, other electronic means of either API integration or 837 integration with your claim workflow process. Additionally, having the availability of doing some of these other things that you may need, such as transparency or the aggregation of machine-readable files, I think would be important aspects that you'd want to uncover and discover. But I think a lot of it comes down to having someone that can be available as a third-party database and qualifies as a third-party database, someone that can bring the meeting and network to you, as well as aggregate your own meeting and network if, if you so have one and is flexible and can customize things to meet your needs and work with you within kind of the time constraints and the claim workflow that you need in order to price these claims accurately within the timelines that are prescribed and help with all the other elements of the Transparency and Coverage Act. So to the extent that you can find some elements of one-stop shopping and, and experience across these programs, I think that would be the first and foremost thing I would look at. And then as well as kind of regulatory and legal experience relative to the No Surprises Act and has the uh, credibility in the marketplace with both providers and payers in order to install these solutions. Right. So one of the cornerstones of the No Surprises Act is this independent dispute resolution process, the IDR process. And we've sort of referenced it earlier in our conversation, but I'd really like to unpack it now and get into a bit more detail with you. So this process has been kind of referred to as a game changer, and I'd love to hear your perspective on IDR, on the process, and what do people need to know about it, and what can they expect from it going forward? So I don't know if the IDR process entirely is a game changer. I think it's both with coupled with the IDR and the um, elements of no more balanced billing, because providers, if they didn't like the payment that they received, they could call the payer to appeal or the payer's third-party partner, but they also could balance bill the member. So they could have multiple routes to receiving additional payment. 
typically they could only go to arbitration if it was a fully insured claim and where states had some arbitration mechanism for fully insured processes if the provider wasn't happy with what they received as payment. Now, I think the big difference with IDR is number one, the member can't be balance billed, so the provider has no recourse there. Number two, the, the provider is going to be told to go to the payer or to the payer's third party to obtain more money, essentially, or, more, or go to them for settlement or inquiry. Today, the providers aren't always directed to do that. So this, that alone is going to increase the amount of providers that are going to come to payers for inquiry or for hope of getting additional payment, regardless of what they're initially paid. Then they, they are allowed an independent dispute resolution process, which allows them to batch certain claims together. And depending on how the final rules play out for the independent dispute resolution process, will allow the provider to test things almost in an IDR capacity in order to um, take chances to get paid more. In certain states right now, Texas is, is one of them and New York is another, providers do use the arbitration process very frequently on, on fully insured claims, almost any time that they feel that they've been underpaid. And this process can be burdensome to payers. And I think now that this shifts to a full federal process, or federal availability with the process, and is not just available for fully insured, but for also ASO and self-insured, which is the vast majority of employer-sponsored coverage in the United States, um, it could create a, a very large amount of independent dispute resolution processes that are conducted across the country and different arbitration that is conducted. I also believe that providers are going to start out by maybe testing this process more frequently and taking things to IDR more frequently in order to test the waters and to fight back against what they may be perceived as lower reimbursement than they're currently receiving um, in the market today, especially if um, payers start to pay providers less uh, on out-of-network claims than they're currently paid, which, which may occur. Um, so I think this process is going to be, it's still developing, um, we have created a number of things in anticipation of the IDR process, uh, the way the law has already been written, already including all of the qualitative factors, plus we've been obtaining information from multiple um, databases and paid claim data in order to um, provide arbitrators with fairness opinions against median and network rates to provide the best arguments possible for the IDR entities, as well as creating a brief and package for it. And I think this all helps so that when payers who are maybe not used to going to arbitration today, or if they do go to arbitration, it's on a very small amount of claims, they're going to need help and support to put the best argument forward on why what they have paid the provider is fair and reasonable, because providers will probably push back on what they're paid. Additionally, I think the settlement process goes hand in hand with the IDR process. The whole point of the settlement process is to avoid the independent dispute resolution process. And you're gonna want someone experienced in obtaining the best settlements possible with the best results in order to retain some level of savings and appropriate payment to the provider that's in compliance with the No Surprises Act while mitigating any risk of going to IDR. Right. And, you know, earlier you mentioned that you and your team were working on some more forward-thinking solutions and strategies. 
around that idea, you know, of trying to find a way to guarantee those best results, to retain that level of savings, to find those appropriate payments to go to the provider. So do you want to unpack that a bit further? What are those forward-thinking trends that you and your team are kind of working around while considering the future? Yeah, so I think um, some of the things that we're pulling together, first and foremost, we've created a robust meaning and network rate pricing that can be the uh, third-party qualified database to help calculate QPA for the payer, also being the payment to the provider. And we can do that for areas where the payer may not have a meeting and network rate or to help consolidate the majority of their networks if they're accessing multiple networks. And we can uh, also use our technology to take in their own data and their own meeting and network rates and apply their own meeting and network rates and pricing and QPA for their service area and where they have the information and use the zealous prescribed meeting and network rate outside of their service area or where they may not have data and information on a meeting and network rate in QPA today. So we can create a whole seamless solution around the calculation of the meeting and network rate and QPA for both our health plan and TPA customers. That then feeds into a settlement process. So if the providers do call to settle, they can call Zealous directly so that the health plan or TPA is, doesn't have to deal with the phone calls. Zealous has been doing this with clients for years and the uh, taking on of that administrative burden. And then Zealous will utilize its team of both financial and coding experts to negotiate with those providers in order to obtain the best settlement possible while avoiding IDR. And then in some of the, the new things we're doing with IDR, we're bringing in all of the quantitative aspects of the IDR how the median and network rate was calculated, as well as how does the median and network rate compare to fair third-party databases across the market. These could include IBM, Milliman, the state all-payer databases, as well as the Healthcare Cost Institute and other, other qualified third-party databases so that we can create a kind of fairness opinion approach so that the IDR entity can make a judgment on the median and network rate and how the median network rate compares to other aspects of the market. Then we would bring in qualitative information, so all of the qualitative acuity level of the claim, acuity level of the patient, the provider education level, as well as all of the settlement history with the provider. We're bringing in all of those into the IDR process, even though they haven't all been outlined specifically yet but we believe many of them will be outlined in the RDR process because we want to be able to use that to help payers with the arguments that they may need to be supportive of the meeting and network rate. Finally, I think where we're bringing in a lot more advanced analytics and predictive analytics is in the provider and market insights across the market. So there's going to be a lot more available data with the No Surprises Act in the marketplace. And so some of the things that we'll be bringing in is number one, Zealous performs a number of claim payments today in the marketplace, actual payments to providers. So we have a, uh, a large data lake of paid claim data that can be utilized for market insights and provider intelligence, as well as the history of the out-of-network services that Zealous has performed. We have the data lake of all the information of provider settlement history by provider type, 
and provider payment acceptance that has been available in the marketplace. Bringing those things together help us perform pricing more accurately for the meeting network rate as well as the settlement process and independent dispute resolution process. Finally, one of the other things we'll be bringing in will be information from machine-readable files that will be in the marketplace and data that HHS is going to post. Um, HHS is going to post information around the outcomes of IDR, um, and we'll be obtaining that information so that we can both better inform our settlement and IDR history and uh, predictive capabilities and help entities choose IDR entities as well as how to identify things to bring up in IDR for the best outcome and settlement, as well as to continuously improve the median and network rate pricing capabilities that we're bringing forth. So a lot of elements of kind of predictive analytics and capabilities, as well as information and history that only Zealous has from its own data to really help support our clients across the entire process. Wow, that's really cool. I'm a, a bit of an analytics nerd myself, so always cool to hear about how people are using these new technologies to do some pretty cool things. Well, Greg, uh, any final thoughts for our audience today? You know, I, I think the No Surprises Act and Transparency and Coverage Act bring forth two important pieces of legislation that really will benefit members and the healthcare consumer. Zealous is the leading company in, in consumer and uh, provider payments as well as um, out-of-network and claim cost solutions. And I, I believe that we can really help assist payers across the market that are struggling with the elements around identifying a median network rate and a median network rate and QPA calculation. We can help them with our own data information and technology, as well as we can bring in their, own, their data too, where they have it available to help supply a median network rate across their claims and then use our median network rate where they may not have one and then utilize our experience and services across the settlement and IDR process to really help bring a comprehensive solution to payers. And then finally, with our recent acquisition of Sapphire Digital, we believe too we can bring forth all the transparency and machine-readable file elements in the market that I think would be important for payers to consider in order to meet all of the requirements of the Transparency and Coverage and No Surprises Act. Well, all right. Uh, Greg Tackett, Senior Vice President of Growth and Sales at Zealous, thank you so much for stopping by. You've uh, provided us with a lot of really cool information about the No Surprises Act, the IDR process, and some of the forward-thinking trends that are really influencing where this legislation will go and how it will impact the healthcare industry, and specifically the payers in the healthcare industry. So, again, thank you very much. Uh, it was a pleasure talking with you, and I hope we can chat again soon. Thanks so much, Kevin. I appreciate being here and hope it was beneficial. It absolutely was. To learn more about the best practices, lessons learned, and proven strategies for using innovative technologies to address the healthcare industry's most pressing challenges, please visit Future Healthcare Today at www.futurehealthcaretoday.com. But that's going to do it for us here today. I'm your host, Kevin Tierney, and until we talk again, so long.